Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to our new listeners. I am excited to welcome you to the Becoming Immune Confident podcast. Dr. Kara here, and I love introducing you to other folks in our community. And I recently was able to meet and speak with Julie Michelson on her podcast, and we had such a great conversation that we're continuing it. So Julie Michelson is a national board certified functional medicine health coach, best-selling author, international speaker, and the host of the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. She is the founder of Julie Michelson Coaching and the co-founder of Navigate Wellness. Through her journey of overcoming more than a decade of decline with rheumatoid arthritis, she became passionate about functional medicine and using lifestyle to create healing. Julie is an expert in supporting others to achieve the changes necessary to experience true wellness. Thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. And I would love to hear how you ended up doing the work that you're doing. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to get to chat with you again. I was like so many of us in this space. It was my own wellness journey that brought me to functional medicine. I was in my early 30s, newly single mom, had recently moved <clears throat> and had three young kiddos when I started to notice not only aches and pains that shouldn't be there, but really this overwhelming fatigue and that set me on my path. I was actually very quickly diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is unusual to get a diagnosis so quick. Um, and I was told that I couldn't heal and that I would just need to take medications to try to slow the disease process as much as we could. <clears throat> and to just, they try to keep me comfortable, is what they said. And unfortunately, although you can't rewrite history, I believed them. I was taught that these are the experts. And even back then, when you did any kind of research, everything pointed to can't heal. And so I was a good little girl. I listened to the doctors. I took the medication and I continued to decline for probably 11 plus years. At the end of that time, I was on 10 prescriptions, none of which were life was smaller and smaller. I would rest by then. I wasn't able to work. I had quit grad school and I would rest during the day when the kids were at school and I'll just so that I could do the morning <laughs> and then that afternoon, evening, and oh my gosh, I could not wait until it was bedtime. And that was the cycle I was stuck in. And my daughter had come to me, my youngest, sharing her fears that I was going to die and leave them. And my dad had passed suddenly at 54. And at this point, I was in my 40s and really thinking I wasn't going to make it to 50. And so what I promised her in that moment was that I would try everything. And that it was like the light bulb. Like I really truly thought I had tried everything because I tried every medication they gave me. I did. Many of them I failed, but I tried them all. And it was literally something in that moment, that conversation with her, that it was like, you know what? Even if I think it's crazy, I'm going to try it. Even if I don't think it'll work, I am going to try it. And that set me on my journey. I was really lucky to create some lifestyle changes that moved the needle and got me feeling well enough and my brain fog lifted enough that I could learn more and dig in. And that path 
led me to coaching. Coaching led me to functional medicine. And then that was it. I was hooked and determined because here I am off of all those medications. Life is so much bigger. I live on a little horse farm. I have my horses at home. I scuba dive. I hike. I sail. I do all the, I have two businesses, things I could not have imagined 10 years ago that I would be able to do. And I'm 54. So (laughs) I really have, but to feel younger in my fifties than I felt in my thirties. So we need to share the body is miraculous and we need to change the conversation. So thank you for letting me share. So what were some of those initial steps that you took when you think back to right after that conversation with your daughter? At that point, I was already gluten-free. I had gone gluten-free because my oldest son had been diagnosed with celiac at age 12. And to support him, I went gluten-free. Come to find out later, I too have celiac, but I didn't know until then. And that was something that, that was a change that I felt a little bit of an improvement. And so I went back to that, right? It was like, okay, if that worked, what else can I do? And so I went from there to paleo, although I was doing paleo totally wrong. I was doing like <laughs> low fat. I was fat phobic. It was a big part of, and we always focus on, which I did first, what to avoid, right? What to remove. Mm-hmm. And so I removed a lot of things from my diet, but it really wasn't until I put high quality, healthy fats in large quantity in my diet that really shifted things. I was definitely fat deprived. And so food was a big piece and figuring that out. And the second thing that really made huge impact that I did just, I joke, I had the throw spaghetti at the wall approach to healing. Like I literally was like, I'll try this. I'll try that. Um, I started a dedicated meditation routine. I was meditating twice a day and the impact that made on my sleep and my pain was unbelievable. And my energy, of course, because when your pain is less and your sleep is better, you have more energy. So the two together, and I didn't, I was not scientific. I really, nobody could study my path because I did a lot of things at once. And, but those are things I still do today. I still, I now know better what I need to be eating and definitely know that meditation is key for me to continue to thrive. Yeah. Some things that I hear as you're talking about that is going in, it sounds like with kind of that spirit of a beginner, that idea of let's just try things. Let's see what works. Let's experiment. And maybe that was or was not a conscious part of it, but that's something that I think can be helpful because it can be daunting to think about making some of these significant changes. Yeah, it really is. And it's funny because I remember over the years, I'd hear something about nightshades or something about, and I'd go to my rheumatologist and say, what do you think about this? And she'd poo-poo it. And so I started with those things that somehow were stored. But yeah, I love that idea of the beginner's mind. The challenge for me was it took years to really improve because I didn't have any kind of framework. I hadn't heard of functional medicine. I hadn't heard of health coaches. And so I didn't have the guidance, but I feel really blessed and certain that this is the path I was supposed to be on because 
knowing what I know now and looking back, I shouldn't really on paper felt as good as I did with the changes I made without addressing some of the under underlying drivers of my inflammation. So I'm just really grateful because looking back, I'm like, wow, really those two things, the diet and the stress management were enough to get me functional again. I had such a high toxic burden and I thought that's another area, like I was doing paleo wrong. I thought I was making an effort to use clean products. I hadn't been using plastic. I was doing what I thought, but I wasn't educated enough. So I was using products that are greenwashed and they're advertised as clean, but they really weren't clean. So it was a big learning process for me, but I had a lot of mycotoxin and mold illness and heavy metal, lead and mercury. So the fact that without addressing that, I was able to even start functioning again was great. It was really a gift. Let's talk a little bit. You briefly talked about, but about greenwashing. So yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. It makes me, it makes me really upset. It was, and that's part of our process, right? As I learned how important to have, I actually went keto for a long time, which was what my body needed at the time. And as I learned the importance of healthy fats and that first part of the process was I got mad. I got angry that I was misguided. I was being intentional and thought I was well-educated. And I grew up in a family that had heart disease. And so we bought it. My dad's family was in the dairy business and we used to eat margarine. It's like we really bought in to the whole thing. And it's the same with the greenwashing. It just makes me really upset because people are more and more aware because of these conversations that we need to be paying attention to the products that we're using. But I equate it to food, right? It's that same things are advertised as healthy and, and on the front, but you have to turn it around and read that ingredient label, even on stuff that you're not eating, anything that you're using in and around your body. Because I know there are certain ingredients that I don't, I choose <laughs> to avoid that are in so many of these supposedly cleaner products. And so it just is frustrating for me because I see so many clients where they're trying, they're back where I was. They think they're doing the good thing and they're buying a brand that's popular because they think it's clean and it's not. Have so you, we can do better. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, and I guess part of the issue too, is when you look at words like all natural or even organic and... Sure, because lead is organic. Can, yeah. Like <laughs> they don't have any weight that's going to hold up in court, right? Or a definition like for clean. And that's, I think, a big discussion as you get into conversations with people of, oh, don't bother with like clean beauty or whatever, because clean doesn't have a, it doesn't mean anything. And what I would counter to say is just because it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean thinking about what we're putting on our bodies isn't important. Maybe to look at the bigger picture of the system, and, but and the time being, have to do a little, the onus is more on us as the consumer. It is. And there are resources that are helpful because I am somebody, and I've actually found products that I was using that were truly clean when I first started using them, and then they changed the product. 
Yeah, um, which is a bummer. And I'm always learning, right? I'm always, but the resources like ewg.org and the Think Dirty app are there. And there are companies that are EWG certified, which is my preference because I am a little lazy when it comes to, because that's the other part is some companies make certain products at certain standards and other products that are not as clean or may have, I choose not to use fragrance, I'm sensitive. And Mm -hmm. you just, you have to, it's just like food. You have to read the labels, but there are ways where it's a little less labor intensive on us. But like you said, it really does come down to us taking responsibility. And then we know what we're getting. And the responsibilities may sound overwhelming. And they clean too. But the responsibility also equates power, right? That gives us the power to take care of our own health. And really, every it's step by step. I always have people clean up products one at a time and because it's overwhelming and it's ongoing. We're never done. We're really not. We're never Mm -hmm. done. Yeah, it spreads out. The expense, too, as you think about... Oh, my gosh, you would go broke. You'd be stressed out, overwhelmed, and flaring. (laughs) It would be really expensive. And so I always just say, I tend to try to choose. I tell people, let's start in the bathroom. And I always start with toothpaste and deodorant, and then we just move on from there. Yeah, similar. And I will say, though, over the long term, what I've realized is that many of the little switches we've made have simplified routines. Things are not as complicated as they were. And there are a lot of things that you can use that are multi-purpose. Like for instance, there are several different cleaning kind of base concentrates that are out there that work really well that, oh, look, you dilute it this much and you have an all-purpose cleaner. You dilute it this way and you have a hand soap or here's your laundry detergent. that has simplified things immensely. It has. And back to just like we're eating closer to how we used to eat, it's the same yeah. thing, right? We didn't have a million cleaning products. No. But the good thing is the resources are out there. You don't have to make your own laundry detergent if you don't want to. I know people oh, not like your like, grandma just... would have had to no. probably with the animal or tw- kind of the lie and all of yeah. things. Or 20 years ago, you knew you needed to start cleaning it up. I did make my own laundry detergent once. (laughs) It was not good and I was never going to do it again. But we do have, I'm picking on greenwashing, but also we have more and more resources and good companies out there and more choices for clean products, for sure. One of the other things that will come up in the conversation, I think, that would be, I think, helpful for us to maybe to talk about is how do you handle, there's, I think, a lot of discussion about how fear sells and managing that side of things too, because everything has marketing, right? And greenwashing, the reason they're doing it is because they know that we're looking and wanting to buy products that are cleaner. Now they're maybe selling us stuff that they're just putting lipstick on a pig. But then also there's this other side of managing fear-based marketing too. And I think that that's a natural part of our process as we're healing. And it's the same. We go through, I think, similar with food, right? When we 
are working on diet and figuring out what's the right diet for my body right now, especially if you've come from a place where you were really sick, then I don't think orthorexia was a word years ago. I don't know what exactly when that word entered the dictionary, but we do create a whole nother eating disorder. And it's the same thing with toxins and exposure. I think it's just a natural kind of knee-jerk reaction of, okay. And that's where I say, and the marketing side, that's hard. I think it's about being educated and really understanding that all we have to do is lower our toxic burden. We don't need to avoid all toxins. And we can't, but that's where I focus on the home. And when we've really lowered our exposures at home and we're supporting our detox pathways, then we can take the hit out and about and we'll create resilience as we heal. I had that experience actually recently. I got hit with a mold exposure that I wasn't aware. Like I was aware, I almost got punished for moving through to the other side. <laughs> like I was somewhere, I saw the mold. I wasn't there very long. I'm working on not being that person who's, no, I'm not leaving yeah. the fuck. <laughs> And it took me a few days to figure it out. I had three days where I was fatigued. I really didn't feel well. And I finally connected. I was like, oh, that's what it was. I upped my toxin support and did the extra things I could to help detox. And then now I'm fine. So it doesn't mean I'm going to be sick for five years because I was around some mold. So I think it's just learning what your body can tolerate and knowing that we don't have to be perfect. And that's what they're marketing to. That fear comes because, and I think that's for those of us with autoimmunity, that's how we got here anyway. It's that perfection. And so just knowing that, look, some people say the 80-20 rule or, and you know, you don't need to calculate. Just know that it's making the changes you can. And there is no total. There's literally no way to avoid toxins. And the body can handle some toxins. So that's okay. We just need to support it. Yeah. I think one of the discussions that came up at our national meeting this past spring, the intro to one of the main talks was how we really, our bodies have been exposed to a whole lot more in regards to all the substances we're exposed to, toxic or not, oh. than we ever were over the last 50 to 100 years, especially after kind of advent of plastics and yeah. a lot of things based out of the petroleum industry. But it really is, it is fascinating as we're starting to get more science and more science within kind of mainstream medicine too, that I continue to look forward to the advances that we're seeing. I admittedly have been slow to warm up, I will say, to some of the aspects of functional medicine in part due to my background, but also am trying to lean in, remain curious and listen too. I think I tend to be like a little bit more of a slightly forward thinking, but also cautious. I'm right on that yeah, which I think is a gift for your patients and your clients. And I definitely think the, the background of medical school, I remember years ago, uh, like in my practice, when I'm dealing with people with autoimmunity, I love labs. I do a lot of labs and I front load them. 
I didn't used to. It used to be like, okay, we're going to do the things. And if you don't get better, and if you're not moving that needle fast enough, then we'll dig deeper. And now I realize everybody that finds me by the time they get to my door, they need the needle to move now. We need to start. And so I just have certain, I call them rocks that I look under. And a toxin panel is one of them. And I think it just depends on where you're spending your time because my partner's a functional medicine doc and Western trained. (laughs) And so he uses the pain, but he'll, again, he's now doing toxin panels a little sooner than when he's better about, I don't want to spend patients money and all these labs are expensive. And, but it's taken, I've watched his process over the past several years of realizing what a big driver this is for so many people. I did one toxin panel on somebody that came back really pretty, almost clean, like really. And I thought it was like, I'm like, you need to repeat your test. I don't know what happened, but something, did you send in water? What's going on? And she laughed and she's, I have been working on my toxin levels for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I just, and we don't all, you don't have to test. Like if you're somebody, what I like about the test is it's motivating when you see what's going on in your body or you can be proactive and just know we're all, like you said, we're exposed to so much more. We haven't evolved that quickly. And I really truly believe that this is why when I was diagnosed in my thirties, doctors were saying, you're so young. Yeah. Now I'm like, I think you're lucky if you make it to your 30s without an autoimmune diagnosis. Like, it is so common now. I didn't know anybody with RA growing up ever. Nobody's aunts, nobody's. And I really think that our toxic overload, and that's the key to not get scared, is the overload. We just need to, we need to let a little water out of the tub. Yeah, turn the dial It's fascinating. I think that is one of the key insights or like realizations, I guess is a better word that got me extra like I'm stroking my imaginary beard. Really Uh, glad it's imaginary. (laughs) But I was thinking about in particular my mom's side of the family. My mom is the second of six children. Um, There are around 10 grandkids on that side of the family. I'm the oldest. And of that kind of cohort, my grandma has some mild asthma growing up, a little bit of hay fever. My mom has a little hay fever and a couple of her sisters might have a little bit here or there. No autoimmune disease that I'm aware of. And then you look at our generation and I have two cousins with inflammatory bowel disease. I have Sjogren's. My sister has significant asthma allergy issues. And then a couple other conditions. So at least as I see it, over half of us have some sort of condition developed sometime between our teens and our early 30s that's really related to a misbehaving immune system, too much inflammation. And that's not normal. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, it is now. (laughs) This is not normal to our family. Just genetic. I'm so glad you brought that up, too. This is a topic that I think is harder for people to buy into and believe. Even if you have autoimmune disease in your family and you have that genetic tendency, it does not mean you have to have autoimmunity. 
And again, back to the environment, it's mm-hmm. the environment that's pulling the trigger. And because I meet so many people who just discount, oh yeah, but my mom and my aunt have that or grandma and whoever have that. It doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. What they will teach in lifestyle medicine curriculum is that only about 10% of our health is actually strictly genetic code. The rest has some influence from what we call the exposome. So everything else surrounding. And we may or may not have control over, we don't have control over every aspect of that. And we shouldn't. We don't control whether we're exposed to adverse childhood events, for instance, or born in an area with a ton of air pollution or what have you. But I think that also does give us the opportunity to say, hey, I do have a role in moving the dial. Absolutely. And if you think of it as a switch, if something's activating those genes, then wouldn't it scientifically make sense that if something flipped the switch on, we could flip it back off? That's the exciting part. That's the part that I used to. And I heard people, I met people that either had a family member, oh, so-and-so had rheumatoid arthritis and she did this thing and now she's better. And in my mind, I was like, either she didn't really have RA or she wasn't as sick as, so it's okay. We have to open our mind up a little bit. And like you said, maybe we don't know all of it and we can try different things. I'm going back to an experience I had with a patient recently that's undergoing treatment for trauma. They're undergoing EMDR. They waited till the very end of the visit to let me know that they had started that treatment and they had been through several sessions. But through the whole visit, I could tell something was different. Like there was some sort of shift in just their energy. There's nothing scientific about this, but their vibe, right? Right. Like the voice, their the speed of their speech, how they were talking about their illness. Like it was. A substantial shift. And that's the other area that I am extra excited for us to continue to learn, explore, see the role of, especially after that experience. That's what popped into my head, actually, when we are not in control of everything. And if you've experienced trauma and we've all experienced, that's the thing. We have all experienced trauma, even if we don't identify it as such. And the beauty is we can heal from that if we address it and get the help to move through. And it is amazing. And I've seen it over and over again. We're talking about the lifestyle things, right? The food, the toxins, meditation, all of that. But sometimes you can do all of those things and not feel better. And it's because we really all need to be working on the trauma and the self-love. And that will allow that healing to be exponential. So it's huge. Yeah. And I think for what I grapple with at times, and I'm very upfront with folks about this, is for so long, our mental health diagnoses, our weight, our gender, our hormones, all these things were weaponized against us. And so then how do we reconcile the fact that, oh, yeah, we actually are all one human being. (laughs) It do matter, but also they are not the end-all be-all for what you're expecting. Right. Yeah. There are factors. And it is. And so I think we get in trouble when we go either way, right? Like somebody who identifies 
with their trauma. Like I'm somebody who, you know, whatever that experience was. Um, and there are people that get stuck there. That's not healthy and you're not going to heal from that place. And somebody who really won't even acknowledge there was trauma is also going to be stuck. And it's the same thing, right? So somewhere in the middle, like you said, with hormones, gender, weight, whatever that is, fill in the blank. It's this idea of if we can find and truly give ourselves grace, that's where the magic lies. Yeah. All those things that we are, I feel like always coming back to these central core themes in coaching work, perfectionism, self-love, giving ourselves grace. It's incredible. It's literally every client. It's every person. It may show up differently. It took me a year. Actually, it was through my coaching that I was like, oh, I guess I'm a perfectionist. It doesn't look the same for everybody. I have a client who has high anxiety. He's a really successful businessman, but he's aware of the inner voices and the anxiety. But it's a driver for him as well. And his son shuts down. And so he doesn't get it. And I'm like, it's the same. It's just manifesting differently in him. It's the same. And that's the beauty of us and the confusion of us. <laughs> We're all individual, but these themes are threads that you can't deny are there for sure. Part of the human experience. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to learn more, they want to listen, they want to connect, where are the best places to find you? I think the easiest place to find me, because I like shortcuts, is jm.coach. And then from there, <laughs> you can get to wherever you want to go. For if you're somebody interested in coaching or having a conversation, you can go to my Julie Michelson coaching page. If you're somebody who wants, if you're like a self-starter, that's why we started Navigate Wellness. And so you could take yourself over there. But my social links... And if you want to listen more and listen to my other conversation with Dr. Kara, check out Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is really, I think, in challenging me to really dig in a little bit more to the evolving science in toxins, in particular mycotoxins, which is, I think, this area that allergists, we get a little twitchy. Because right, we, we learn about molds as allergens and we, I think we very much recognize sick building syndrome, these, that they have physiologic implications, but then it's this big unknown and we get twitchy. I'll share with you. <laughs> My daughter is doing her dissertation on sick buildings. She's wow. a historic architecture major, so. She, yeah, I'm excited digging into all of that science. Yeah. That right. Quite the headache. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'll do some homework and then we'll, we'll reconvene on this discussion. Yeah. I know for the physicians that the scientific method is behind in a lot of this. Like you have to help create the science. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's yeah. your new mission. But we do, we need the studies and we need those dots connected for yeah. sure. So I'm just grateful that you're willing to lean in. Yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah. Hey there, amazing listeners. Before we wrap up today's episode, I want to take a quick moment to ask for your support. 
If you're enjoying the content of the Becoming Immune Confident podcast we're bringing you week after week, there's a simple but incredibly impactful way you can show your appreciation. You see, leaving a review is like giving us a virtual high five, and it helps our podcast reach even more people who could benefit from the valuable insights, entertainment, and inspiration we strive to provide week after week. So if you're finding value in what you hear, here's what you can do. Open up your podcast app, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, and give us a glowing five-star review. We're dedicated to bringing you the best, and your feedback helps us fine-tune our content to suit your interests and needs. But hey, don't stop there. If you have a moment, leaving a few kind words in the review section goes a long way too. Share what you love about the podcast, your favorite episodes, or how it's made a positive impact on your life. Your words not only brighten our day, but they also encourage others to join our incredible community. Remember, every five-star review and every word of encouragement counts. It's like fuel to keep us creating, innovating, and striving to make your listening experience even better. So if you're up for it, show us some love by leaving us that virtual high five in the form of a five-star review today. And a huge shout out to all of you who have already taken the time to do so. You rock. Thank you for being a part of our podcast journey, and we can't wait to keep bringing you more amazing episodes in the future. Until next time, keep shining and keep listening and keep on building that confidence in yourself and your immune system health. Take care.